Welcome to the Church and Stuff podcast, where we share the victorious gospel of Jesus Christ and talk about how you can be victorious in and over the stuff in your life. Church and Stuff is a podcast of Victorious Living Church in Grove City, Ohio. Check us out on the web at blcc.tv. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that victory becomes reality in every area of your life. I believe firmly that there's an open invitation from heaven before us every time we get together when we're in the marketplace, when we're at our homes, when we're here in the church, that God has given us an open invitation to meet with him. Come on, is God omnipresent? You guys know what that means? That means he's everywhere all the time, right? So God doesn't just give you an invitation to come and meet him at church. God says, listen, when you're struggling on your couch at home, I'm there. When you're in the grocery store and you're wondering how many groceries you can put in the cart, I'm there. When you're Come on, thinking about where your mom or dad's going to go because they need treatment now, I'm, I'm there. When you're thinking about what the school year is going to be like for your kids, I'm there. When you're thinking about how you're going to raise that child now because you didn't expect to be a mom or dad, I'm there. And God is the God of everything and he is everywhere. And I'm so thankful today uh, for the stirring of God and the invitation, you know, thank goodness we don't have a God that's just this religious construct that we only do on Sundays. Sadly, some people only do God on Sundays. Isn't that sad? That the living Savior, the creator of all the heavens and the earth, the God who created you, that knows how many hairs are on your head, come on, that thinks about you more than the grains of sand, come on, sex trillion times, that God is here today. He knew you were going to be here. He thought about you before today even started. The Bible says he knows your end from your beginning. In fact, he goes to the end. He knows your end and then he comes back and clicks start. That God, that God is thinking about you today. And wherever you're at on your journey, I want you to know today that he's present with you. So so many times we come to church and it's the, he loves me, he loves me not. I wonder, God loves you. Let's settle it. God loves you. While we were yet sinners, come on. The shirt, my daughter, so gracious. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's not waiting for you to get better to love you. He already loves you. From the foundations of the earth, he loved you. When he was on the cross, he loved the crowd. He loved the, the thief on the right and the murderer on the left. He loved them both. God's not deciding who he's going to love today. He's already made up his mind on that. Can I get an amen? God's not deciding who he's going to love today. He's already made up his mind on that. And here's the reality that nothing you or I are going to do today is going to change the way God feels about you or I. What we're really here at church to do is we're here to get our feelings. We're here to get our emotions. We're here to get our thoughts. Come on, in line with the living God and say, you know what? I think this way about this, but your word, your truth says a better thing. Your word speaks a better word. And I'm lost and I'm dead in my sins and my trespasses, but your word says that I'm found, that I'm loved, that I'm beloved, that I'm welcomed, that you want me. And we're here today to declare that God is good. Come on. And his mercy endures to all generations, yes, forever. I just wondered if you guys were listening. I want to see if y'all could finish the line. (laughs) Listen, we're going to be in Genesis today. How many of y'all... We're going back to the the Alpha, the beginning of the Bible, the Genesis, the origin. And Genesis 22, many of you may know the story, but I'm going to give a little bit of synopsis today. Just a little bit of, just a little bit of a a kind of breakdown today. Actually, 
Y'all could go to Genesis 22. I'm going to start in Genesis uh, 15, I think, is, is, is my jam. And uh, uh, so about chapter 11, Abraham's dad, Terah, dies. He's gone. Now, his family to that point, they had been pagan worshipers. Right? They had worshipped pagan gods and deities, and they didn't have a relationship with the living God. But Abraham comes on the scene instantly as the Bible starts to talk about Abraham. It starts to talk about him in relationship to God. God immediately, as Abraham takes over from his father and he becomes the new patriarch. And Abraham and his brothers and his brother Haran eventually died. And then here's Abraham and he's there and he's about 70 years old. And God starts to talk to him and God starts to speak to him. And, and God instantly tells him, he says, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some land. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your... In, your inhabitants stretch across the earth. I'm going to bless you, and there's nothing anybody's going to be able to do about it. And he begins to talk to Abraham this way. And Abraham uh, is called from his land, Ur of the Chaldeans, and he's called to a new land. God says, I'm going to separate you. How many of you guys know when God calls you, often he'll separate you? Anybody say amen to that? He'll call you out of familiar into a new land that you don't even know, but he's declared promises in that new land, in that new space that he's called you to. He said, listen, I'm gonna, I have a life for you in this new land. I have a promise for you over here, and I'm going to take you to this place, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cause your inhabitants to dwell in everywhere that your eye can see. And he begins to tell Abraham these things, and Abraham begins to act, and he begins to follow after God. He doesn't have a covenant. He doesn't have anything to prove to him. In fact, his family hadn't really talked to God, but here Abraham is talking to the eternal God, and he's listening to him and he's obeying him without much significance to the promise. He doesn't have a, you know, assurance that this promise is going to come to pass. He doesn't have any assurance that, uh, that this God that he's talking to is faithful yet. He hasn't had many dealings with him. But here he goes. He's stepping out and he's going to these lands. Abraham on the way, you know, struggles a little bit with the idea that God's going to do this. And in chapter 15, we find his main objection. Because how many guys know that every time God gives you a promise... Often a problem shows up at the same time. Nobody? A couple people? I found out in my life that whenever there's a promise in my life, there is subsequently or simultaneously a problem that shows up at the same time. There's always a problem to challenge the promise. It's a faith moment for us. God's showing up and he's going, hey, I'm going to take you somewhere and I'm going to do something in your life that you can't even imagine or think of or even achieve on your own and here's the thing i need you just to trust me well if i could see the next step well I, i'm not going to show you the next step yeah i'm just going to tell you where you need to go and i need you to trust me and i need you to go okay god i'm going well instantly here's what we have in chapter 15 let's read it real quick for a second it says after these events the word of the lord came to abram in a vision don't be afraid abram i'm your shield your reward will be very great. He's reminding him. Abram, don't be afraid. I got you. I got a reward for you. Remember the promise, Abram. And what's he say? He says, but Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me? Since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Abraham, Abram continued, look now. Look, you have given me no offspring so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him. See, isn't it amazing when God gives you a promise 
the problem shows up instantly. He's like, listen, I get your promise, but uh, in case you didn't notice, I don't have the key essential thing needed. Like, what what else could you give me? I don't need more land. You give me more land. I I don't have anybody. See, the... The passing down of an inheritance is important and significant in this culture. The blessing of a father is important. And he's going, listen, you can bless me with everything you want to bless me. I appreciate the promise, but there's one thing wrong. I don't have an heir. So even if you gave me the world, I have nobody to pass the world on to. And oftentimes in our life, God will give us a promise and he'll say, I'm going to do this in your life or I'm going to work this or I'm going to use you in this way. And we'll go, yeah, but God, but I got this issue. Think about it. Look, read the Bible. Almost every time God picks somebody to use, there's always a but by that person. Moses, I'm going to, I need you to go speak to Pharaoh. I got this speech impediment. Yeah, but what's around you, Moses? Who's around you? Who's around you that can speak? Oh, I see one over there. We always have this issue of God I trust you but God I believe you but God I want to go but God I think you can do it but and there's this moment where we stand between what God has spoken and what we believe is going to happen and that's called faith I can't see it I have no material evidence to prove it but I know that he's spoken it And he's steadfast and faithful through the ages. And if he said a thing, will he not do a thing? So many of us go, well, I heard you say it, Lord. But I don't see how it's going to happen. We waver in between faith and flesh. Galatians tells us that. we In this tug of war between the spirit and the flesh, the carnality in our flesh. And our spirituality and God's going, feed your spirit. So when I say something to you, you can trust that it's me. You'll know my voice, right? He says, my sheep hear my voice and they know it. And they follow after it. Sometimes the issue isn't that he's not speaking. It's that we're not in tune to the frequency of his voice. So when he does speak, we question. Because we're in that space between flesh and spirit and we go God I know this is what your truth says but my flesh and my mind are telling me this and I'm torn between two opinions what's the Bible say a double minded person is unstable in all their ways so Abraham's got a choice do I trust what you've said or do I make my butt bigger than you God that's right I said butt bigger I know y'all were waiting, so just let it out. This is the big butt that God don't like. All right. And look what he says here. It says, his butt shows up. The promise comes. I'm going to give you a great reward. But. Everyone's like, let's slow this down. And God's like, nah, let's keep this going. Check what he says in verse 4. He says, now the word of the Lord came to him. I hear what you say, bro, but I got a better word. And what's he say? He says, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. 
Look what it says, verse 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. I want you guys to see there in the Bible, I want to make this quick distinction for you that righteousness is obtained by faith, not by works. Abraham isn't being stated to be righteous because of what he's done. Oh, well, I left the land that you told me. I, I was obedient. I left the land. God, no, it, it's not anything to do with his actions. It's simply to do within that moment. He had an objection. There was a promise. He presented a problem. God presented the promise again and said, look, go out and count the stars if you can. That's how your descendants are going to be. He's awed in that moment. He says, I believe. I believe. Now, the next chapter is what we see is that belief put to test. And for so many of us, we come to church and we want, the, we want the promise, but we don't want the test that follows the promise. Oh, God, I want you to bless me, bless me. And he goes, yeah, but here's the issue, that when I release the blessing, there's also going to be problems that are released at the same time. And there's going to be a war in the heavenlies. And there's going to be a war between your flesh and spirit. And you're going to have to choose this day whom you'll serve. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose Life, I'm giving you a promise. Do you believe my promise more than you believe your objections? Do you believe my promise more than you believe your circumstances? Do you believe my promise more than you believe your own inadequacies and inabilities? And for some of us, we can't believe God because we look at the promise and then we consider ourselves before we consider God. You could never... We're humans. We are natural. And God blesses us with his super on our natural and enables us to do things that we couldn't do on our own. But in and of ourselves, there is no good thing. I'm just a human being. I'm flesh and bones. I'm ashes to ashes, dust to dust. The reality is that without him, I'm nothing. And yet I continually walk to the promise of God and I go, yeah, but... So many of you guys do that. So many people do that with their salvation in this day and age. Yeah, I believe God can save, but can he save LGBTQ? Yes. Can he save jealous? Yes. Can he save adulterer? Yes. Can he save murder? Yes. Can he save fill in the blank? Who can't God save? Is salvation dependent on what I think or what you think? Is his ability to reach dependent on me or you? No, but what we do is we always put our problem in front of the promise. We go, yeah, you could move God, but. You could do God, but. And we wonder why we're walking in the wilderness. Just a 40-year stroll. I'm just taking a 40-year stroll. Because God set a promise before me. But I went into the land and saw the size of the people inhabiting the land. And I considered them more than I considered the word that the Lord had given. Just like in the New Testament when he said to go to the other side. And I considered the size of the storm and the inadequate size of my boat. And the fact that it was taking water as an issue to me getting to the other side. Did the Lord not say go to the other side? Did he not say that they could have the land? Did he not tell Abram that he was going to be the father of many nations? The issue isn't the promise. The issue is with... With us and whether you and I will believe the promise of God over the problems that we see in front of us. Because we consider our humanity before we consider his divinity. He is the God of all the heavens and the earth. 
What is there that he cannot do? He formed this out of nothing. He took nothing and made something. And yet we continuously go back to him and go, yeah, 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 yeah. But Abraham was considered righteous because he believed. He received the word of the Lord. And we see that in the New Testament, don't we? Thomas is doubting God. He's doubting that Jesus has returned. He's doubting that Jesus is resurrected. And he says, I need to see a sign. I need to see the wound in his side and the holes in his hand. And what does Jesus say to Thomas? He says, woe to the generation that needs a sign to believe. And we've turned into a generation that needs to see something before we'll believe something. And God says, have I not said it? Will I not do it? And the foundation of the power of God is that we would put belief in what he said without seeing what he'll do, knowing that he's steadfast and true. He's a faithful God. I got to see it. And Abraham goes through this whole scenario. He tells his wife to tell people that she's his sister, which if you read the Bible, she actually is his half-sister. I don't want to get into that right now. On the dad's side. And so they go into these places. In fact, he gets in front of Abimelech. And Abimelech goes, wait a minute, bro. Something's happening. My ladies can't have babies now. My whole kingdom's cursed. Because you let me think that this lady was your sister. But bro, that's your wife. You better come get her. And when he comes to get his wife, guess what? Not only does he get his wife, but he gets a whole slew of blessing because the fear of the Lord comes on a a kingdom. Isn't it funny that God will send you places that you think are going to devour you and God will cause you to be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. He'll cause you to succeed in a land where you should be killed and spoiled and, and, and he'll hold the very king hostage because of the promise that God has put on your life. Oh, but I see problems. I don't know, y'all. I kind of see a promise. I kind of see a promise from the Lord. And I just wonder this morning, how many promises are in this room that have been shelved or put away that we're not even believing anymore because we can't see it because we exalted all of our problems above the ability of God to produce according to his promise. He says, if I could just find faith on the earth. Not even a lot. I just need mustard seed faith. I just need the kind of faith that can say to a mountain, be removed. And he leaves there. And God comes back to him and he's got this pattern of trusting God. He's got this pattern. See, he's made some mistakes along the way. But I'm amazed at the story of Abram, how God hasn't forsaken him because of his mistakes. How God has graciously dealt with Abram and considered the promise over Abram's life. In fact, when God gives the word that he's going to have a son right here in 15, later on, Sarah or Sarai decides that she's going to help God because she considers herself over the promise of God. And she goes, I think you need help, God. Here's what I'll do. I'll give my servant woman, Hagar, to Abram, and then they'll make a baby. And they do. And isn't it the providence of God that Ishmael is blessed Just like Isaac is blessed because the promises of God are yes and amen. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. The attachment of blessing was assigned to Abram and his descendants. And when God tells Abram that Sarah is going to bear a child, he goes, he laughs. (laughs) 
You're funny, right? And look at God, he's got a sense of humor. And isn't that often when God shows up with a dream in your life, you laugh at the dream? And God goes, what are you laughing at? Because you, again, consider yourself over God. Listen, God will, God will cause the dream to come in spite of you, not because of you. He'll look you right in the face and he'll say, ah, oh, watch this. And in fact, that's what he does in this story, isn't it? He says, oh, you're laughing? Ha, ha, ha. I'm going to give you a son named Isaac. His name means laughter. I'm going to fill your mouth with laughter. Watch this. And he laughs. And then three visitors come and he sets a feast for the visitors. And guess what? Sarah overhears one of the visitors confirm the word of God. Isn't this funny? God will send somebody that you don't even know, that don't even know about your business to confirm the promise of God on your life. And the visitor confirms the word of the Lord that she's going to have a baby. And she overhears out of the door. Some of y'all be listening on the steps. Y'all got them kids that listen on the steps? You can't see them, but you know they're listening. And you're listening on the steps. Ah. She hears the promise of God and what she do? She laughs too. I'm so old now. Because when he had Ishmael, when Ishmael was conceived, he was 85. Now they're 13 years later. They're down the road. She's hearing the promise and she's going, man, if he was 85 then, she was 75. She's 10 years younger. And he starts considering and she's considered. She's like, why would you wait until I'm this old to allow me to enjoy the promise that I've been waiting for my whole life? Can I just drop something for you? Stop wasting your life. Not enjoying what God has given you because of the one thing you don't have. In that moment, she reveals something about herself. She has wasted her whole life just kind of getting along, just kind of following Abram along because she hasn't enjoyed it, because she's been lamenting her whole life that the one thing she wanted, God hasn't given her. But he had given her himself. Oh God, you're enough. Is he? Is he alone enough? Oh, but if I had this. And he gives her a child. And God doubles back on Abram and he says, listen, let's fix this. I need to change your name because in your current state, under the current agreement we got going on, you can't move into the place where I need you to go. So he said, in order to do that, I need to change your identity. I need to change your name. And God will change your name in the midst of transitioning from this season to that season because the current name you have fits the season you're in. But the, the place where you're going, you can't be known the way you were known before. I need somebody to hear me this morning. The place where you're going, you can't be known the same way you were known before. And in that new season, he'll give you a new name. And he'll establish his promise. Now before, all his promises were just words, but look, God decides I'm going to make a covenant. And at some point, God will ask you to confirm that you believe his promise by asking you to make a sacrifice and a covenant. He'll ask you to shed blood over the matter to know that you're in it. Oh, I just want the promise. Well, somewhere in the promise, when the testing is going on, God's going to ask you to confirm the promise by blood. I don't, I mean, I want to follow Jesus, pastor, but I don't want to make no sacrifices. I don't, I, I, I love him, but I don't know if I can give that kind. I, you know, and here he is at 90 some years old and his son's 30, 13 and he's in there circumcising 
him and his whole family. Y'all don't know about you, but woo. No thanks. This is before Isaac has been conceived. God makes a covenant. He says, do you believe what I said? Do you believe that Sarah will bear a child? If you do, I need you to confirm it by agreeing with this covenant. And he says here, this covenant's a little bit different than the covenant before. Not only will I just tell you that I'm going to make your descendants cover the land, I'm going to make you a promise that, you're in, in, that your descendants will inherit this land forever. Ah, there's my dude back there. So you're like, oh God, this is cool, man. All right, I got a word from the Lord. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, how's it going to happen? I got all these problems that are in front of the word and I don't know how it's going to work out. And God goes, do you trust me? He says, yeah, I trust you, Lord. He says, okay, let's covenant together on this. Here's what I need you to do. I'm going to need for you to make this sacrifice in obedience or accordance or in agreement with the covenant to show me that you fully believe what I say. So they make the covenant, his whole household, everybody gets circumcised. Boom. And it's an everlasting sign of the covenant that Abraham made with God and for Abraham's descendants. So he says, man, I got this in blood, bro. And listen, every time I walk around, I, got it. I, I have proof on my body that I've been, that I'm in covenant with God. I have physical proof that I'm in covenant. So I can't just, not in my mind, it's not just a thing, a, a mental thing or a heart thing. No, I have a physical reminder that I'm in covenant with the living God. Some of y'all need to remind yourself, look around at the scars on your body, take a look at the things you've been through and look around and go, yeah, I got, I got marks and these marks are a sign of my covenant with God. These, these are a sign of the promises that God has made to me. And no matter where I go, you can't take my scars away. You can't take my wounds away because they're a consistent and constant reminder that had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, I would have fallen. I would have fell apart. But there was a promise from God. And that promise is made in blood and it is everlasting to the end of the age. I'm already at my preaching time. I'm in the negative, y'all. But I'm going positive in verse 22 to land this bird. It says, after all these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. So he called out to Abraham, Abraham! Abraham said, here I am. Take your son, he said. Your only son, Isaac. Take the promise, Abraham. Take your dream, Abraham. Here's what I want you to do. He says, take your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. God will give you a promise. You'll make covenant over the promise. You'll receive the promise. And then he'll ask you to give the promise back. <laughs> here's what we do. We go, there's a dream. There's a destination. And God goes, no. No, you think that's the destination. That was just the beginning point. You think that's your destination. Oh, I have this dream. And God goes, oh, that's cute. That's cute. That's what you thought you were going to do with your life. That's cute. But my promise is greater than that. And often we get to the very edge of the promise of God. We receive it and we think that's the promised land. He goes, no, 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 no. 
No, 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 this isn't the promised land. This is just the edge of the promised land. Wait until we get a little bit further. This is just the edge of the promise. But what I need to know before I reveal or give anything else to Abraham, I need to know if you really love me or you love the promise. And God will test you to find out where your heart is in the game. Do you really love him or you just really love what comes from his hand? Do you really love him or do you just love the promise that you're after? Because your life will be fulfilled when you get the promise. Because you'll have status when you get the promise. Because you'll have stature when you get the promise. Because you'll feel complete when you get the promise. And he goes, do you love me or do you love the promise? Take your son up to the mountain and take him and make a burnt sacrifice. Now I want you to look at the confidence of Abraham. Because this whacked me the other day and it was just great. Just smacked me right upside the head. It says, so Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. You know what's interesting that I don't read here? I don't read Abraham arguing with God. I don't read him questioning what God had told him. I don't read him going, you know what? I think that maybe on a different day or you know what? I don't, that's not the voice of God because surely God wouldn't ask me to sacrifice the very thing I just worked so hard to get. What are we doing again? We're considering our efforts over what God had done. What did you really do? I mean, what did you really do? Besides be obedient. If you're walking in the promise of God, all you really did was be obedient. All you really were was obedient to the promise of God. It wasn't really you that made that place or that promise or that destination. It was God that made it. You just happened to be walking in a place God has provided. Did you put forth effort? Yes. The effort was obedience. He says, take it all. Go up. He says, on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. Now, a lot of people like to preach this. You just stay back. And then, you know, it's a good, good opportunity for a preacher to use a curse word. You just stay back here with the donkeys. But you know what? This is really not about the donkeys. This is really not what God left behind. Look what it says. Stay here. Hmm. Then Abraham said to this young man, to his young men, stay here with the donkey. Look what this says right here. The boy and I will go over there to worship and then we'll Come back to you. Wait a minute. Hold up. You mean God told him to go take a sacrifice? And Abraham's got all the stuff together and he's going to make the sacrifice. But before he leaves the servants, he doesn't say, we're going to go worship and I'll come back. Look where his faith is. He says... And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Where was his faith? In the promise. God, you said, I'd be the father of many nations. God, you promised Isaac. Come on, look back at what he promised about Isaac. That Isaac would have several kings come from his lineage. Isaac's 14. He hadn't even met a lady yet. Come on, Isaac hadn't met Rebecca yet. He, he don't have kids. He don't have anything. So, wait a minute. God promised, and here Abraham is in a moment where God's telling him to kill the promise. Oh, that's tricky, isn't it? 
what do I do? Surely God wouldn't ask me to kill the very thing he'd promised to me. Yet here God is going, hey, I need you to do this. And look at the resolve of Abraham, and here's where God wants you and I to rest. You know what? I know what God's promised to me. We're going to go worship, and we'll be back. And look what, the, look what the kid, his son Isaac says. Isaac says, hey, Dad, as he's carrying the wood on his back, <clears throat> you got the knife and the flint for the fire. I got the wood. Hey, Dad, where's the sacrifice? Where's it 